Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Merciful Father, by your grace you have called us to be in this place. Lord, we come to you today in the midst of a world full of hurt and pain and sorrow, knowing, Lord, that you are the only hope. We pray, O Lord, that you would encourage and empower us to go forth proclaiming this hope into this world, so that through our lives and through our words, people would come to know your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. And now, Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you imagine the fear they must have felt? There they were. They had built a perfect little existence for themselves. They had a place to live, control over all their surroundings and comfort in being in a place separated from their enemies. A cool country location on the coast overlooking the sea. I mean, everything was set up perfectly for them. Then they heard the footsteps. Their old enemy was on the prowl, and life as they knew it was about to be destroyed. Punishment and destruction were in their hands of the foe who was coming for them. It must have been utterly terrifying for those demons when Jesus showed up on the scene at the Gerizim graveyard. Those demons had it pretty good there, possessing that man, terrifying that region, but now their enemy had arrived and Jesus was about to cast them out. For Jesus, you see, was on a mission to set the prisoners free. He had come to be the great terror of the demonic realm. He had come to wreak havoc on all that they had destroyed by restoring order to that which he had made. Remember, this is the impact of Satan on the creation. Satan came into the garden and he tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, into sin. And from that point forward, earth became almost this sort of prison yard for sin and chaos and evil activity. But Jesus won't have it. And now the Creator has shown up on the scene in and for His creation as the Word put on flesh. And He's come to clean up that which the demons had destroyed. The demons who had possessed this man, and there was a lot of them, legion, they said, for we are many, knew they were no no match for the Son of God. They rebelliously rejected their Creator. And now He had come to be their judge. Jesus came to make right everything that they had turned so horribly, horribly wrong. This is where we want to start today as we continue through our series where we're talking about what it means to be a witness to Jesus Christ in this creation. We live in a world right now where we are called to witness to Jesus, but the world is a world where things have gone horribly, horribly wrong. And you and I have all felt the wrong 
in our lives. And everybody we know in this world has to deal with the wrong in one way or another, be it demonic activity or sin or sorrow or shame or whatever it is. Everybody feels the impact of the wrong. And we have been called by Jesus Christ to go forth and proclaim the name of the one who has come to make all things right. This is called witnessing, and this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks here at the church. If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, or if you've been sleeping through the sermons, let me bring you up to speed with what's been going on here. Uh, we've been talking about how Jesus Christ has called us to the witness stand in this world. We've been called to give testimony to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God, God in human flesh, who has come to be the Savior of the world. And last week we talked about how we must give this testimony before the world, and sometimes it's hard because we have to tell the truth about this world. That the world is bound to sin, and the harsh truth that you and I contribute to that sin. That we are sinners in this place in desperate need of salvation, but we have been called to testify to the even greater truth. Not just that you and I are sinners in need of salvation, but that Jesus Christ has done it. He's come to actually procure, to, to give that salvation to you and to me and to everyone who has faith in his name. And that's the joyful thing we get to hear every time we gather in this place. That because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, your sins are forgiven. Because of his rising from the dead, we have the promise that Christ will in fact and indeed make all things right in this world. And because this was promised to you in your baptism, because you were promised the forgiveness of sins, and because you were promised everlasting life, you now have been promised uh, a great deal. And you've also been given a call. You've also been given a responsibility to go forth into the creation and proclaim the name of Jesus. Proclaim the name of the one who comes to restore this distorted creation and make all things new. You and I have been called to proclaim the Jesus who has come to cast out Satan, to forgive our sins, and to bring hope and light into a world of darkness and despair. And it makes the demons shudder. That's why we see the demons looking so pathetic today as they come before Jesus pleading for him not to torment them. They know that Jesus will have no mercy for the demons on the day of judgment. And so here when he shows up, what they believe is probably ahead of time, they plead for more time. They plead not to be cast, they say, into the abyss, not to be cast into hell. But obviously Jesus isn't going to continue uh, to allow them to torment this man. This man he's come to set free. And so the demons look over to the side of him and they see a field full of like a, a herd of pigs over there. And they ask Jesus to send them into the pigs. And remarkably, Jesus does it. The demons go into those pigs, uh, and suddenly the pigs start going crazy, uh, hog wild, as it were. Uh, and then uh, they all rush into the sea. Jesus literally, I mean, you can think of it, Jesus literally baptizes the whole situation. He drowns all that is evil there in the water. And he gives this man an entirely new life. This man who previously, as we heard about in the reading, was, was crazy and powerful and could not be controlled. The demons had controlled him so, too, so much that he was uh, running around naked and they would try and chain him down and they couldn't do it. He would break the chains and flee off into the wilderness and now he was living amidst the tombs in the midst of the dead. But then Jesus got a hold of him and he cast out all that was evil. 
So this man who was cutting himself and breaking chains, living in the midst of death, now found himself clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus, right where he needed to be. This is what happens when Jesus gets his hands on us. This is what happens when the Lord Jesus gets into our ears and takes up residence in our heart. He sends the the demons away, as it were. He gets control of us and puts us back where we need to be, sitting at his feet, hearing his word, and receiving his gifts. Now, don't misunderstand me here. What we're not saying today is that when we go out and proclaim Jesus, we should tell people, listen, you proclaim, you you come to Jesus, and all of your problems will go away. Everything will be easy. The demons will jump in pigs, and life will be golden road from here on out. That's not the case at all. But what we are proclaiming when we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ is that Jesus comes to remove those things which would keep us from God. He's come to take away those things that would keep us from his presence and the presence of his Father. He's come to undo and remove everything that tries to keep us from God and his presence. It's an interesting thing to note. We're going to do a little Bible study here now. It's an interesting thing to note that when you read this account in Luke's gospel, this account of Jesus' ministry is found not just in Luke, but in Matthew and Mark as well. And in each of those accounts, this story is followed up by another story. The story of of a guy named Jairus. One day after after Jesus is is there in the Gerizines and he's healed the man, he goes back across the sea to Galilee to where he's from. And as he gets off the boat there, a man named Jairus approaches him. Jairus is 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 an influential religious man in the day. And Jairus comes to Jesus and says, listen, my daughter is dying and I need you to come heal her. So Jesus agrees, and he starts making his way towards Jairus' house. And as he's on his way there, there's crowds all around him. And there's a woman who has an issue of blood. And she's had this issue for for 12 straight years, and no one can heal her. She sees Jesus walking by, and she she knows he is her only hope. So she reaches out and touches his robe, and suddenly he knows it. She kind of tries to hide, but Jesus finds her and gives her good news. Listen, your faith is has made you well, and she is completely healed and restored. After this, they arrive at Jairus' house, and by the time they get there, it seems it is too late, for the child has died. And everyone starts laughing at Jesus as he goes in there to talk to this girl who they believe is dead. But he certainly still does it. He walks in there, he sees her lying down, he touches her, and he brings her back to life. He restores her to life. He restores her to her family. She is healed and set free from death. And now it's interesting to me, these three stories have something in common. There's a connection between these three stories that I think is important for us to know today. All three of these accounts have a person in them that there is something about that person that would prevent them from worshiping in the temple. According to the Old Testament laws, if you are involved with evil and demonic activity, uh, you you cannot come into the presence of God or his people. Further, if you're dealing with blood of any kind, you're not able to come into the presence of God and his people. And finally, if you touch a dead body, you are not able to come into the presence of God and his people. All of these things would keep people from coming into the presence of the temple if you touched anybody who were dealing with those things. You also would not be able to enter into the presence of God. And Jesus has had enough of that. He's just had enough of it. And so he goes out to them. Instead of waiting for them to become pure enough to enter into the presence of God, the presence of God puts on flesh and enters into their impurities, enters into their life, enters into their situation, so he might cleanse them himself. 
And Jesus is just purifying everything, left and right, casting out demons, healing the woman, and bringing this child back to life. So all of them might enter into the presence of a loving and a gracious God. I bring this up today because as we have been called to go out and witness to a world, we are witnessing to people who are dealing with any number of struggles or trials in their lives, and many of them, because of these uh, struggles and trials, are keeping themselves away from God, believe these things are keeping them away from God, or are using them as excuses not to come and see God or be in the presence of his people. There are many people who believe that because of what they are going through, God must not love them or they must not be worthy enough to be in God's presence. But that's because they don't know the God that we know. They don't know the Jesus who has come to terrify the demons and give life to the dead. See, God does not wait for you or me or for anybody to be pure enough to enter into his presence to hear his word. He simply invades a world dominated by disease, suffering, and death so that he might overcome it and bring us back to him by his grace. And so he has called us to introduce him to this world. He invades this world through our lips and through our proclamation. So you may not know somebody who is demon-possessed. You might know someone who's demon-possessed, and that's got to be an interesting relationship, but you might not know anybody who's demon-possessed. But I would guess you do know people who are full of guilt and shame. You know people who have the devil in their consciences all the time, parading their past sins before them without fail, constantly making them feel guilty and foolish and ashamed. But you can introduce them to the Jesus who forgives those sins, who washes them away in his blood, who casts out the demons and silences the devil and promises to never bring those sins up again. My guess is that you do in fact know somebody who is suffering from some sort of illness or struggle or trial that they've been going through for what seems like uh, an insurmountable amount of time. And because they're facing this, they doubt that God loves them at all. And they wonder if there's any hope in this world. You can introduce them to the Jesus who promises to never leave us and to never forsake us. And you can introduce them to that Jesus by constantly being present in their lives, constantly praying for them, constantly praying with them, and sitting by them while they struggle. And I guarantee we all know somebody who is dealing with the issue of death who is dealing with the pain and the problem of death in their lives, who is going through sorrow over it, or who is afraid of death. And you and I have the glorious calling of being able to introduce them to the Jesus who rose again on the third day and promises that death is a defeated foe. See, the people who believe they should not be in the presence of Jesus, the people who believe that there's too much going wrong in their lives to be in the presence of Christ, these are the very people Jesus has come for. He comes, you see, for the oppressed by Satan, those bound by fear, for those full of sin and unbelief, sickness and sorrow and pain. He comes to bring them hope, healing, forgiveness, and life. He comes with the promises of the resurrection, the promises that sins are forgiven, and that all that Satan has destroyed will be restored. He comes to bring it to them, and he comes to do it through your mouth. A good friend of mine always says, the good news of Jesus is always found for us on the lips of another. And that includes your lips. 
he has put himself there so that through you he might speak hope and comfort into their lives. In fact, you see, that's what he's called me here to do this morning. That's the message he's called me to have on my lips. Because the Lord Jesus knows full well that all of these issues of guilt and shame, sickness and fear, these things are not just residing outside the walls of the church. But such things have found their way into your hearts as well. And so today, Jesus has shown up in these words. To take all of these things that terrorize you, to take all of these things that weigh heavy on you, to take all of these things that bear down on you, and to cast them into the pigs and into the sea, as it were. For let me tell you this this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, he has his eyes fixed on you. And he wants you to hear this, that you are the very one whose sins are forgiven. He has died and risen for you. You are baptized into his name, which means he has promised to never leave you and never forsake you. Which means that he has promised that ultimately and finally, no matter what you are facing, no matter what chaos and hardship you are going through in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ has promised that ultimately and finally he will make all things right. And for now, he has clothed you, just like the demoniac man. He has clothed you in his righteousness. And by giving you his word, is putting you back in your right mind. And so now today, you find yourselves sitting with that man, hearing the word of Jesus, sitting at his feet. And Jesus would say to you, as he said to that man, return to your home and tell how much God has done for you. Just think about how much God has done for you. He has driven away the demons into the sea. He has come to be the fear and the terror of the demons, the overcomer of sin and the giver of life. And he's come to do all of that for you, you dear saints in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have done all of that for us, but not just for us, for a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Lord, as you comfort us with these words, also encourage us and empower us with these words so that these promises of hope and life might be found on our lips and in the ears of those we love who need to know it. Grant us your grace and guide us to this end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.